This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. Hello, Blues. Welcome to our Burnley post-match episode. We are coming to you on early Saturday afternoon following Everton's win in their final home game of the season, 2-0 against Burnley. A bit of a weird one for Alex and I because of the timing of the game being at 3 o'clock Eastern time on a Friday. Um, We were not able to watch the game live. I had a couple meetings going on at work. Alex was also not able to watch it because he's currently in Arkansas. So I watched the game last night having only seen the scoreline, and then Alex just finished watching the game with his grandparents. Alex, what are you, what's your initial impression? Blues wrapping up the, the campaign at Goodison in style? Yeah, I mean, in style for sure. I, I absolutely hate not watching a match live. Like with every ounce of my being, I hate it. It's hard enough to wait and finish it, you know, watch it right after work, for example, but it's, it's much worse waiting what feels like almost 24 hours. Otherwise we started off ridiculously well. I mean, the commentators, it felt like we actually had some, some decent credit thrown our way throughout the match from the NBC commentators, at least. And they just kept talking about how we were controlling the ball really well, playing as, as if Man City were to play. And my grandpa kind of had the same the same thought he had never seen Everton play so fluidly with so much confidence and swagger and you know it it pretty much was done and dusted fairly early yeah I agree with everything you just said I did want to backtrack and agree particularly with your sentiment about watching the games live I think this is the first game this year that I haven't actually been able to at least passively watch while it's actually going on sometimes I'll have to like work and have the game on like on the side and fake looks and pretend like I'm working while I'm actually just watching the game. And it's, it does suck because a, you know, you don't know the result. You're kind of, you're, you're wondering what's going on, the unknown. And then the normal stuff that we do, like checking Twitter, engaging with fans, tweeting out reactions and things like that, that kind of goes by the wayside too. So we weren't like dead or anything yesterday on Twitter. We were just trying to stay away. So we didn't know the result, but furthermore, like everything that you said, dominant right from the get-go like wasted no time whatsoever in getting right on Burnley they looked completely shell-shocked with the fluidity and confidence that Everton started the game with I think like seven minutes in we were on close to 90 percent possession and had already had like five shots on target and I think we actually managed 10 before Burnley even got one so just a uh, testament to kind of like the crescendo or the we're kind of peaking Although with Wolves having just won um, earlier today, our hopes of Europa are officially over. The team is finishing the season strong, and I think it's setting us up really well and putting everyone in a positive mindset going into the summer and into next season. Right. The, the most important part for me watching this match, um, even well, really the last couple of matches, is just the confidence We've known, I mean, I think everyone, including obviously including the players and, and the staff, have known that these players are capable of of essentially the run that we just went on against all of the quote unquote big six that we essentially slayed home and away. Um, but it just hasn't been shown throughout the season. And now it looks like we are being consistent in our confidence um, for the most part. 
And so it's, it's important because obviously, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, well, we don't have anything to play for. Are we going to go to Tottenham uh, next weekend and just kind of look sluggish and this, that, and the other. But in reality, the important part is we continue to look confident. We continue to perform so that we are ready for next season. And a lot of players abroad or, or at other clubs that that are that are already being spoken to uh, indirectly through you know their agents. Hopefully, they're able to tune into the Premier League to the last couple Everton matches and see and hopefully get excited about you know the prospect of playing for Everton. I know I'm getting way ahead of myself, James. No, I think that that's fair. Like we're now winding things down as we have been for the last several games. The the game against Spurs. We definitely have something to prove given the result, the reverse fixture, how that went for us, our most embarrassing performance perhaps of the season. But now that confidence is so high, I think, you know, all credit to Marco Silva at the start of the year with the way things we started the campaign, I think maybe expectations were immediately raised a little bit too high. And then we went on the really difficult spell following the Derby loss and fans started to, you know, think the worst was going to happen. And, and, at the end of it all, we're left with, I think, positive impressions of Marco Silva's first year at the helm and excited for what's to come. Like, there's definitely a process that's been put into place that we're going to continue to build and continue to improve. And it's just really encouraging to have the the mindset and the hope that things are finally after years of turmoil, after mismanagement, after the Kuman years, the Walsh years, I think that with all the, the administrative changes we've made, as well as coaching, managerial decisions, that things are trending in the correct direction at long last. Yeah, and, and make no mistake, um, Farhad Moshiri wanted brands and he wanted Marco Silva before any of that actually occurred. Steve Walsh was his second pick because Marcel Brands said at that point in time he was not willing to leave. And then furthermore, um, well, I guess not Kuman, but um, furthermore, Marco Silva, we couldn't get him last season in which we then had to, uh, we then had to poach Sam Allardyce and, and <laughs> anyway, but, but like, sorry to interrupt you, but like, what a far cry from the end of last year where we were sputtering towards the end under Sam Allardyce and fans were hoping to, you know, chance at home games, asking for Allardyce out. No one wanted him around the club. It's just, a, it's a drastic turnaround one year later. It is. And, you know, speaking of kind of how well we've been playing and how much different the style of football has been, you know, you, you showed me essentially the average positioning of the players during the match. And it made a whole lot of sense, right? So we know essentially that both fullbacks are going to sit around the mid midway line, which we always have, but the way it kind of worked was we had Bernard and Luca Dean sitting right next to each other. These are average positions, uh, right, sitting right next to each other past the halfway line, obviously towards the opposition's box. Uh, Seamus Coleman and Richarlison right next to each other on the opposite end, side of the pitch. Now, Gilfie Sigurdsson and Dominic Calvert-Lewin right next to each other up top, and Ghana Gay and Morgan Schneiderlin right next to each other at the very center, essentially at the halfway point. And the reason why I'm, I'm I'm kind of taking the time to spell it all out is because ideally you can envision, right, we had a lot of width, but I think the whole point was, and we mentioned this in the pre-match, that Burnley were going to be very compact, right? They're very compact across the back line, and then they're going to sit deep in the midfield so that 
players like Gilfie Sigurdsson and Bernard and Richarlison can't find space between the lines. And so the way Marco Silva set up the team was to essentially keep every player right next to uh, another another player in blue. And so that, that way you have another player to play a, a quick one-two with and bounce the ball off each other. And that allowed us to retain so much possession. Right. And in addition to, you know, Burnley, immediately you could tell that they were not going to get very adventurous with how things went. They did have a couple decent chances to score. Ashley Barnes, I believe, put one in but ended up being offside. But yeah, testament to Marco Silva, this is probably the most convincing we've looked in a match besides the last game against Burnley, where a team clearly wants to just hold us up and try to get a point out of the game. And I think that that's basically what Burnley set out to do. We looked like we were able, you know, I thought Richarlison in the first half before, unfortunately, he went off with injury, looked probably the best he has in a blue shirt all year, especially on the ball with the ball at his feet. He did some really, really clever movement, and he's not like a player like Bernard where he's going to do flicks and, and those types of things, but just his quickness and his decisiveness and his movement really put Burnley off, and he was able to create a lot of space for himself. And actually, there were a couple nice little stepovers that he had, which weren't isn't something we're, we're used to seeing. And then the, the, the goal that he scored but didn't score, it ended up being ruled an own goal, rightfully so when you see the replay a really ambitious shot from him, which is also something that we haven't seen a lot from, from him trying to shoot from outside of the box and just the confidence that he has now looking to build on the, the progression he's made this season. I think he's going to be unbelievable for us next year. Yeah. I mean, him and Sigurdsson, both 13 goals on the season. I mean, you can't argue with that. I still don't know how anyone can say that Sigurdsson should not be here or is not living up to his price tag, which by the way, he doesn't choose. Um, But nonetheless, kind of getting off on a tangent, pretty much every single player in a blue shirt played phenomenally. Uh, Specifically, someone I wanted to highlight who has really been out of the team for the better part of a year, pretty much a year and a half, Morgan Schneiderlin, he completed 95% of his passes, 55 out of 58 of them, and completed eight tackles. I mean, that is a ridiculous performance. And yet Ghana, according to the Premier League, performed even better to win the official man of the match award. Yeah, those two, what a revelation it's been for Morgan Schneiderlin after essentially being a fringe player for the bulk part of the year, not able to make his way into the side. And he's really taken advantage of the Gomez ban to kind of stake his case for why he should remain a Goodison uh, for, for next year. If he, if that's actually what he wants for his career, there's been rumors floating around that he wants to go back to France. I think based on the evidence of the last three games, it's a small sample size, but we've seen what Morgan Schneider was supposed to be when he originally came to Goodison and what he was early on in his tenure here. And I think that that justifies him sticking around for another season. I think he offers a different type of midfield player that we don't really have because he's he's definitely more, I mean, he's not as inclined to get forward as even Adrissa Gay has been since Schneiderlin came into the team. And I think what Schneiderlin does well is he he does that type of role where he drops in between our two center backs when we're in possession and sort of can bring the ball out, spray it out wide because... When we do when we do have possession, our fullbacks or our center backs get strangely like, you know, they're not in a traditional position. They play almost in like a, a fullback type of role where they're so wide 
And so it kind of makes us exposed on the counter. But with Schneiderlin dropping in there, almost like a three at the back type lineup, it allows Ghana to roam around forward, get into good positions. And Ghana's aggression turning with the ball and looking to get forward looks looks night and day from what we've seen previously. And I think that Morgan Schneiderlin and the balance that he provides has a great deal to do with that. It absolutely is. Some also, I think, forget that finishing seventh place and earning Europa two seasons ago was based on a midfield duo of Morgan Schneiderlin and Ghana Gay. Furthermore, it's not like everyone, everyone's just kind of opening their eyes and saying, wow, Ghana just magically got so good at passing and driving the ball forward at, at 29 years old. But in reality... It, it just is based solely on the fact that he's in a more comfortable role, right? I mean, you can look at them and say, okay, they're both playing at defensive midfielder. That's what they're classified on as FIFA. But in reality, Ghana is a defensive midfielder, right? He's very strong defensively, but he's always been pretty good going forward, barring his shooting. <laughs> um, and that's just, he, he wasn't allowed to do that when he's playing with Gomez and Sigurdsson because... You know, those are the players that you're allowing to roam forward. And and in that case, he's required to sit back. And so I think Schneiderlin allows Ghana to play his natural position or, or his natural role. And that's why we've seen him really flourish again. Also, not that he was ever um, anything less than fantastic. No, that's a really, really good point. And actually, so one thing that, that kind of clicked in my brain watching the game yesterday was that. Ghana actually is able to to get himself into interesting positions to score at the edge of the box. Like offensively, he finds himself in good areas, but it's just he doesn't have that instinct when it comes to he actually receives the ball and it's like, oh God, what do I do? What do I do? You know, he doesn't um he doesn't have the the shooting ability flat out to, you know, pick one out from from 20 yards out. But he does find himself in those areas where like if Sigurdsson gets the ball there, he's ripping one. Ghana just doesn't have that ability, but he does, you know, you're right in that he gets in himself in, in excellent positions, but lacks the, I think, offensive instinct to kind of kind of have that goal scorer's touch. Yeah, right. And that's that's the thing that, you know, Gomez lacks in a lot of the defensive ability. Obviously, uh, he's not near as quick as Ghana is, but we know Gomez can hit a banger just like Gilfie Sigurdsson can. Um, and so with that being said, I'd also really like to highlight our center backs during this match. Specifically, Michael Keane had 10 aerials won. Kurt Zuma was also very, very good. And, you know, might I add that two players that we highlighted pretty much going into the pre-match or going into the match was or were Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood because they both have double-digit goals scored this season. And furthermore, I mean, everyone knows, they're just pretty much classic center forwards. They're pretty tall, pretty strong, good in the air. And yet, you know, even as the commentators mentioned, Burnley are going to hoof balls forward, and neither one of them were winning any aerial duels, and neither one of them were holding up the ball when they did win an aerial duel. And so hats off to Michael Keane and Kurt Zuma. 100%. I actually was shocked to see that Michael Keane was the one with 10 aerials won because watching the game, it felt like Kurt Zuma was the one who was disrupting everything and winning everything in the air. It's just what a key, key core that those two have been for us at the heart of defense. And as they've grown more comfortable playing with each other, as the season has progressed, it's only gotten stronger. Yet again, we put up another clean sheet. And the defensive resilience compared to what we saw probably the first 10 to 15 games of the season 
is night and day. Michael Keane, night and day from last season. He looks to be a staple uh, in, in our defense going forward. Kurt Zuma, the jury's still out as to whether or not we'll be able to keep him. I don't think there's a single Evertonian who would tell you that they want him to go. I think it's a consensus, unanimous decision that he wants to stay. That is, and that goes for Andre Gomez as well. Both of the loan signings, I think everyone is on board with bringing on in a permanent capacity. The question is, can we get the business done? And at this point in time, it looks like Gomez is more likely than Zuma. The Chelsea transfer ban is really, really going to be a problem, I think, in getting that deal done. But if we are able to keep him, he'll be an absolutely integral part of our defense going forward. And and it kind of just highlights, you know, when we signed Yeri Mina, that was like the big signing, the Barcelona center back. Everyone was really looking forward to to seeing his quality. And he's had a difficult first campaign struggling through injury. And the the deadline day signing, who was actually announced, wasn't even announced until a few hours after because it was such a last minute deal, has come in and been just our absolute rock, our, a completely solid, outstanding with the ball, knows when to bring the ball forward, but also has the pace and strength to match up with just about any forward in the league and do so very, very uh, convincingly. Yes. I mean, everyone wants him. I want him. They don't call him Kurt Happy Zuma for nothing. He makes me happy too, that's for sure. But uh, it's going to be tough. And unfortunately, I say that um, kind of in an odd sense, but we have a third center back performance to talk about, don't we? Yeah, it was a late, late cameo appearance perhaps a lap of honor for Phil Jagielka, who came on on 90 minutes, was given the captain's armband by Seamus Coleman and played out perhaps his last appearance in a blue shirt at Goodison Park. And I know we've discussed the possibility of Jagielka leaving for months now, but with that appearance, it does seem to be more likely than not that he was his career at Everton as a player, at least, is finished. Yeah, I mean, it just got real, right? So you see that, and specifically the captain's armband with Seamus Coleman. Um, I believe last time Phil, Phil Jagielka subbed on, you know, Seamus tried to give it to him, and he's like, nah, just carry on, you know? Like, you're the cap, you've been the captain most of the season, just do your thing. I don't really care about it. This time, it seemed like it was kind of understood, I guess. And really, it's just sad because. It feels so abrupt. I mean, it shouldn't, right? Like he's 30. I think I think he's actually 36 or even he's almost 37. I thought he yes. was 37, but I guess he's almost there. So in that regard, I mean, we have been blessed to see him play for this long. And furthermore, um, he's been very blessed to be able to perform to the standard that he has for this long, because in all fairness, he probably should have dropped off years ago if we're going to be honest, kind of like Ashley Williams. Um, but I, I should. <laughs> Don't you ever put those two in the same sentence I ever really again. shouldn't have. But um, nonetheless, it's most likely the case. Uh, Sheffield did get promoted officially in the last couple of days. So that could be kind of a nice story for him to return there upon their promotion as, as, as a kind of a squad player or, you know, obviously attempt to force his way into the starting 11. But I just I'd prefer not to see him in another shirt and, you know, understandable if if he's not okay with signing a new deal or getting an getting a year extension at Everton knowing that he's not going to play very much and he wants to play, then you have to understand it because 
he's never going to get this opportunity again his entire life, even if it's just for one year. You know, that's that's depending on fitness and that sort of thing, 20 to 30 matches that he can play professionally for the rest of his life. So I get that too. And I don't think it'll it'll even come close to being a, a mark on his his reputation at Everton. No, there's going to be no hard feelings. I mean, he came out after the match and said that he wants to stay at Everton, but it's up to Marcel Brands and Marco Silva as to if they want to keep him. And I just think it's a, it's a business. It's about winning at the end of the day. There's only so much room for the sentimental side of things. And at 36 years old, and I have no idea what he's on for wages, but I just think that that you need to have a player with more upside or an established player who can come in in a pinch. And, and though Jagielka is that, he's most definitely on the downhill on the back end of his career. And it's only he's only going to decline further. And I think Sheffield United, recently having been promoted, would be a really nice, um, really symbolic, but he could also do a job for them, um, a, a good move for all parties involved if that were to work out. And, and I suspect they would have him back. But again, pushing 37, there aren't that many players who are that old that can still play at the top level. So it's really just a credit to Jagielka and his longevity. And really, you know, all one of the most well-respected players in, in the squad, the skipper, led the club through some pretty successful years, some pretty mediocre years, but he'll be remembered for a long time regardless. The only thing we can hope for is that he's back with the club, back with the club in the next couple of years, kind of like Leon Osman and and even Steven Pinar in some capacity, because, you know, even Marco Silva has spoken about how important it is to keep players like Jagielka and Baines and Coleman around the squad for the cultural aspect and, and to make sure new players understand what they're walking into and, and how important it is to uphold really just the positive attitude the fair play aspect I think that most people are are used to seeing from Everton, at least most Evertonians, right? Because that's that's one of the main things I really have loved about Everton and even speaking to my grandpa specifically about it. He just he just likes to see a fair match, hard fought, respectable team, in which kind of even in sports in general is, is hard to come by a lot of times nowadays. Right. And actually, Seamus Coleman said in an interview, I saw that he feels that the, the players that we've brought in are are finally, I don't know when when the exact moment was, but he said as to the effect of the players we brought in are, are learning what it is to be an Evertonian and what it means to play for this shirt. And instilling that culture in the club and making sure Marco Silva was able to start to lay out his philosophy was ultimately the only thing that we really could have expected this season and anything else would have been a bonus it's going to be a long year or it was a long year with some major down moments but also some really really high highs that will not be forgotten anytime soon and we still have one game to go so it's not over yet we still have a little time left but it's been quite the ride as it tends to be when you're rooting for the toffees and um yeah i'm just looking forward to the next match and and really looking forward to the summer um, Alex, any final words on the the campaign at Goodison or the Toffees in general? No, I think we have one more post-match recording and it'll be the last one in the next couple months. Um, and, and it's, I guess, just bittersweet that that was our last match at Goodison Park. Um, 
maybe I'll just start crying during our recording about Phil Jagielka or Yagielka or Yagielka. However, uh, the commentators over the years have pronounced his name. No two are alike. That's for sure. But uh, no, I think uh, otherwise just look for our Tottenham pre-match episode midweek and hopefully, you know, shoot us a tweet and let us know what you think about Jagielka send-off because maybe we're really lucky and James and I are completely wrong and he's not gone and he just, we really needed needed that defensive stability for three minutes. <laughs> yeah, it was totally tactical. <laughs> Could have been. I agree. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time.